What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track, formerly known as Pave the Way Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and on this show, you are gonna learn exactly how to be successful as a real estate investor. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you've done dozens and dozens of deals. This is a podcast you're gonna be able to listen to that's gonna give you actionable, specific advice on how to be successful within real estate investing. I'm gonna interview top-notch real estate investors each and every week, and there's also gonna be some content that is just gonna be me telling you exactly about my journey and how I've went from a broke kid starting out to a million-dollar real estate investor. So if you wanna learn how to be successful investing in real estate, this is the show to listen to, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at a high level. All right, Jerry, welcome back to the show. I think this is your third or fourth time on here, so it's exciting to have you back. It's been a couple of years, and uh, I felt like the theme of today's show is really how do you thrive in a down market, right? As of uh, you know the time of this recording, you know we're we're in a shifting market, at least up in my area in the Northeast, and uh, you know I'm really looking towards uh, really leaning on people who have been around the block in these down markets over the the decades. Uh, to really kind of figure out what works, right? Because a lot of people looked really smart in the last two, three years selling houses and, and, and in an up market, but now we're kind of going the other way. So uh, man, you're just a wealth of knowledge. You got a lot of things going. Before we get into some of that stuff, if you can just kind of give everyone like your background and how you got to where you're at, and then we'll uh, go from there. Cool. Yeah. Well, first of all, Greg, thanks, bro. Good to see you. Pleasure, and, buddy. Uh, nice being back on, man. So, um, you know, uh, just... Kind of give you guys a quick uh, snapshot back in time. It's, um, gosh, I can't believe, I mean, matter in just a few months is going to be 29 years. Great. Wow, man, that's great. <laughs> older than me. Yeah, so started in 1994 in the business and um, started off um, over in Springfield, Ohio. That's what's where I started. I live currently now in um, Germantown, Ohio, which is really around Dayton area. Okay. But I started off over there and um, I worked in the business with my wife. Uh, and I'll tell you how I got started was uh, really, um, I was in a position, I was with my father in electrical contracting business. Um, we ended up going out of business because a big uh, general contractor uh, closed his doors on us and we were subcontractor. We got kind of hit on that. I ended up uh, filing bankruptcy and trying to figure out what to do. Saw an advertisement on a local TV station, Greg, about an upcoming seminar in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I decided to go to that seminar. It was a gentleman named Charles Gibbons. Very few people have heard of him. He's never heard of that guy. Sounds like a <laughs> never heard. He's of kind him. of one of the granddaddies in it, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I went to that event and one of the strategies I learned there, Greg, was, um, Wholesaling, really, they, just, they didn't really call it wholesaling. All they called it was an assignment of contract technique. Okay? Technically true. Assignment of contract technique yeah. to make it official. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I came back and I had to figure out how to do that. Of course, nobody, I mean, everybody went to, it's like, nobody knew anything about it. Like, what is this? Never even heard of this before. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just started doing it and continued to grow that. Then I got into the fix and flip side of things. And uh, I mean, it's just, it, it really grew a lot. And uh, I think, you know, I've um, shared my story too. I went through a, a big personal tragedy in 2001. I uh, through the birth of my son and my wife, uh, the day that he was born, found out that she had cancer 
And, um, you know, we just fought and fought that. And uh, 10 months later, after my um, baby boy was born, my wife passed away. And, um, and then I ended up probably taking about a couple years just to get myself reset and get myself back functioning again. And I got remarried and moved over to where I'm at now and built the business again. And um, over those years, man, have been through multiple market cycles and um, you name it. I mean, a lot of people don't even think about like when 9-11 happened, um, that was a big market shift too. So 2001, right? That was yeah, yeah. Ago, 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And, you know, boom, I mean, they went quiet as can be. And so it's just a lot of stuff over those years, bro. And so over those years, I've done the fix and flip model, wholesaling, um, multifamily, uh, commercial family dollar stores, general dollar stores, um, everything, you know, um, what else? Mobile homes. Um, so you've done I, a lot of single family rentals, right? You still have some single family single rentals? Single family rentals, yep. Uh, not as much as we used to. We build up some multifamily as well, too, but we sold a lot of that stuff off in the last several years. So pretty well been through all that, Greg, and done a little bit of everything over those years. And uh, what I've learned is just to really focus on building a company and let the company operate without me being involved in all the moving parts, too. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely your specialty is is de designing a system really and then having that system yeah. work. Yeah, absolutely, brother. The other way around. So, yeah, because there's really like two models, right? There's the the systematized model, right? Where it's like a high volume, you'd call it a production line, you know, if I'm pretty familiar with your work. And then there's the other model, which is the smaller model where people maybe they're in a, a more expensive market, let's say it's San Francisco, and they maybe pump out one or two properties a month, but they're making a hundred grand a property, right? So there's really two angles to do it. You have mastered the, the system, the factory model of wholesaling. And that's actually the first thing I want to cover is because a lot of people, they get into this business, they think about wholesaling as a way to make money. Let's say they're broke, right? Because it's pretty typical for most people. And then they they get themselves kind of pigeonholed into this wholesaling trap where they're, you know, they're making money and they're making more money than they might have before they started, but they're they're painting themselves into a corner and they're doing a lot of the activities. They don't have any employees, not even VAs. And they're answering every lead. They're doing all the TC work. They're dealing with buyers. They're dealing with title issues, et cetera. So you've completely done the opposite. Like you're in the Ohio. Are you just in Dayton or are you all over the state of Ohio? Uh, we cover a lot of Ohio and Kentucky. and So that whole kind of like Cincinnati kind of Kentucky, that yeah. whole yep. area yep. down there. Yeah. So what what have you, I mean, obviously we're going to cover a lot of like down market stuff today, but like in terms of wholesale, like what, what was like, what are like the one or two things that you did to really get yourself removed from your business? To where like you really don't have a lot of involvement. And I, I like people like a lot of people say that like I know Jerry personally is a good friend of mine. Like he literally could go on an island for three weeks and like his business will still run. Like some people might have a few employees and, and they're going to be by their phones the whole time. Like Jerry has legitimately mastered this. Like this guy <laughs> knows his stuff. So what are like the two things that you did? Maybe they were mindset. Maybe they were strategy to really get yourself out of the day to day because there's so many moving parts in any business in real estate, you know? Well, I think one of the first things, Greg, that I, I was a real eye-opening thing for me was basically, and this is actually what I did. I actually drew a line down in the center of a piece of notebook paper. On one side, I wrote real estate. On the other side, I wrote business. Mm. And what I realized was this, at that moment in time, this was years ago, I said, what's the difference here? 
And then I took real estate and I wrote really product next to it. Then I thought, okay, so if I was in the cell phone business, that's just a product. Then I started thinking real estate's no different. So I said, why couldn't I go over here and focus on building a business, put in the proper systems, proper processes backing all this, build in the proper boxes, you know, for the people that fit into, and then start focusing on building a business model that just moves product. Mm, man, that I hope people rewind what you just said. And I just want to interject real quick because this is where I think people get held up. When people get introduced to real estate investing, it's a very sexy topic. Usually it it's said, personal. It's personal. And they're they're they generally don't have money. Like most people don't have money when they start, at least I didn't. And it, it's like, oh, I can buy a house, which is like, oh, buy a house. The houses are expensive. So they get conditioned to associate a lot of sexiness to real estate. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's just a damn product. It's like if you were in the eyeglass business, That's it, you're not, I sell eyeglasses. It's like these are boring. A house is the same damn thing, but you were just able to desensitize yourself yeah. to it you but it took me it took me quite a few years unfortunately to do yeah. that yeah. but the thing is greg I, I when i finally got that i said well i said why why am i fighting this i said this is stupid i said this is this is no different than anything else how and then then i entered into what i call the business side of things mm. but then i took it to another level and that was taking it from business to what i call a company interesting what are the differences there so a and here's what I've looked at on this. And I've learned this from some big people and that have a lot of different companies and stuff is looking at it as a business. I can have a business having a hot dog stand on the corner. Sure. So how can I take it to a company? A company, if you really look at it, it allows you to be in a position where you don't have to, that, that company will grow and uh, continue to excel without you being involved in the day-to-day -day side of things. And that's what I started looking at is how can I do that? Because everybody talks about, you know, working in the business, like we always talk about when you st first start, I understand that. And then you start moving into working on the business. But my, my question to everybody is how do you start working above the business and start making it to a company? There's a big difference there. And people, people that, that this is something people are going to want to re-listen to the show because there's the difference is like, if you're working on the business, you're maybe designing strategies, overseeing marketing, making sure your employees are hitting KPIs, doing like kind of like managerial stuff. Yes. If you're working above the business, it's really just high level vision. Is that correct? Yeah, it's more of uh, here's a good good uh, metaphor: is uh, checkers versus chess. Hmm. That's good. The thing is, if you're in the business, you can't be playing chess because you're too busy occupying yourself playing checkers, making the next move. Yes, hundred percent. Yep. That so is. That's yeah, so that's why that I say to anybody that's you know looking to scale, build things, definitely look at that side of things because I think it'll really change your perspective on that. It did for me, and then another thing too, you, uh, you know, you talk about two different things, um, and this is something that uh, I think um, that most people struggle with, and it's a word that very not too often is shared, and it's called constraints. Mm. Okay. And understanding how to put constraints on your business and you as well. That is a big key component. So what I mean by that 
is like, for instance, you know, I could be, and I used to do this all the time. And I'm sure you see investors, they have leads that come in, then they convert to a deal. And when they get into the deal pipeline, then they're like, man, should I fix this one? Should I, um, oh, this man. One? Should welcome I to my life, one? dude. That's my yeah. day. Yeah. So here's, here's the really cool thing, Greg. When you start putting constraints on that, what will happen is you actually can determine which ones, you know, basically you, you actually set up, uh, it's more of the production line thinking, like you actually empower your team by saying, I want to do this many wholesales and this many flips over the next year. Yeah. And, and then what happens is you basically, if you think about it, if you went in a, um, think about if you were in a manufacturing uh, environment, you just empowered your team so they know exactly how to produce the product without you being there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, you see what I'm talking about? Well, that makes about sense. It? Yeah. That you're yeah. training them on how to make decisions versus you making the decisions. 100%. 100%. Because what happens is most entrepreneurs, especially in this space, what we suffer from so much is decision fatigue. Yeah. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do, what to do on this one, this one. And dude, I just took myself out of all that. And I was like, I just don't make decisions on deals like that anymore. Unless it's a more, you know, it's a deal that maybe I'm going to keep. Or if it's a, a, a complex deal or something like that, I don't do that anymore. I just took myself out of the decision-making process when it comes to that. It speeds up the production line. It allows you to be able to scale more and ultimately give you more freedom on things. No, and it's... People don't put an emphasis on like mental fatigue. And if you start at 6.30 a.m. and you're making decisions from 6.30 to 12.30 p.m., man, by 12.30, your brain is fried. Like you you, you <laughs> can't, and you can have the, the deal of a lifetime show up at 12.45. And if your brain isn't there mentally, it's like working out, not resting. Yep. You know, you could fumble that football, right? Just like the New York Jets do a lot. I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> that. But like, you know, it, it, and if you allow yourself, and I've I've really paid a lot of attention to this, like, if I give myself the mental rest I need to make a good decision, whether that's for our business or for my personal situation, like I don't even make decisions now if I'm not in a good state of mind, obviously, unless it's like, a, hey, we need to either buy this or not, then I got to right. figure it out. But when someone calls me with something and it's a relatively important, let's say it's a business decision and I'm in a shitty mood, I'll say, listen, hey, thanks for calling me right now. I got to process this. I'm going to need 24 hours. And this is obviously assuming it's not urgent. I'm going to need to process this. And then when I get into a good state of mind, generally in the morning when I don't have my phone near me, I can think about how to make that decision. And then when I call that person back or text them, I give them a legitimate answer. But when you are so stuck in the weeds all day, you can't get any mental space to think, you you fumble the ball, right? And there's all these opportunities. And then like you said, if you train your team on how to make decisions, you know, you, you don't have to really, you know, you, you know, they know how they need to make the decision most of the time. And then it yeah. allows you to go above the business versus being stuck in the weeds. Yeah. It allows you to, and you're exactly right on that, Greg. It, you, you have to train the leaders to be decision makers. So. And they love that. I found out they really like that because it gives them really, um, it gives them empowerment. Like they're not pigeonholed in a job. They're making a decision within the company that they have a stake in, you know? 100% dude. So that's, I, I'll, you know, just give, you know, two big points for people on that side is, you know, looking at one, you know, the uh, business versus just being in real estate and also understanding how constraints 
and it, it goes from every area. It goes from the type of deals you're doing, the decisions you make, margins on your deals, uh, your time in meetings, and you just continue to put more and more constraints in place. And as you do it, what happens is it actually uh, puts the company a lot more focus, allows you to be more focused and just get the hell out of the way. Yeah. And you can let your people do their thing. Right. And I was yeah. telling you before we hit record, like my acquisitions guy's better at buying houses than me. Right. Straight mm -hmm. up. Because yeah. that's his thing. I'm not, right. I'm kind of a dick. Right. And I admit it. No problem. <laughs> I'm just being honest. You know, like it's just, I'm not a patient person. I'm an aggressive New Yorker. And I think it does piss some sellers off sometimes. And that's why I'm not as involved because I know that the highest and best use of the company's time is for him to negotiate, right? It's not for me to negotiate. Yes, he does need help from time to time. I have no problem helping him. But when you can align yourself with a team that is really good at what they do, and the key is you have reasonable communication with them, not every two minutes, they're going to be able to empower themselves. And, and I've noticed as I've developed as a leader, work in progress, when I give them a role and they own the role and I let them know that I'm giving you this role because you're totally worth it and you can handle it, they figure stuff out without even telling you, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, stuff just gets done. You're like, shit, I don't even know what's going on, but thanks for letting me know, you know? Yeah. It's amazing what will happen on that side of things, but that's, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's all doable. It's just a matter of, you know, understand some of these principles and start applying them and, um, and you'll see a change. And the cool thing about it, you know, Greg, is I think is, um, people can do it a lot sooner than what they think. A lot of people think they have to grind at it for 10, 15 years. And that's not true. I like how you said that. That's the last question I'm going to ask until we go into the down market stuff. And this is, this is a honest question. So let's say you have a person listening to this right now. We have a lot of advanced people listening. We also have beginners. So I'm talking to someone who's doing deals. They're making money. This is their full-time thing. If they make the decision tomorrow that they want to scale their company to where they don't have to be involved in the day-to-day -day for the most part, what is a realistic runway for them to go from the decision they made tomorrow until they're probably not going to be that involved? What do you think a real, let's say in terms of months, like assuming they do the right things and they have marketing and they're not like a total Neanderthal, like what do you think it would take them if they really Well, I think it, once they make the decision and they understand the proper process. Correct. That's they, what I'm saying. Like they you know, get they, all that. They have the proper roadmap. Training, and, et cetera. And, and training and stuff on that, then- I've seen most of my students that, because I work with students all the time that follow that journey. And typically I set up most of my coaching around six months. And then, uh, then they have to execute. So we're probably talking about a year before they get to the point where they are really starting to make significant jumps on that. But just in six months, you know, what we do with a lot of our coaching students, it's very compressed. It's you know, you're boom, 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 boom. And you're taking these actions and stuff because we already know they work, you know? System. So you, yeah. Yeah. You just got to do it. And you'll see major shifts even in six months. But, you know, you'll you'll get a point if you really listen to it and apply things that you can actually make a huge shift in one year and uh, be surprised what you can do. It's so. true, man. It's true. Especially like, here's another like thing I've just learned from experience. You've obviously been through this too. It's like, I remember when I made my first hire, I was scared shitless. I was like, sure. oh my God, I have real overhead. I got to pay a human being. This is not a VA. <laughs> this is a real job, real money. I was terrified, man. I was freaking terrified. And a lot of it came from going to one of your boot camps, actually. So shameless plug for Jerry. And I was scared shitless, Jerry. And I'm like, man, I couldn't. Now, like this is years later now, I'm like, 
how the hell did I never have an assistant? This I don't even know how to do half the stuff she does. It's just, yeah. and it's like, you just become desensitized and you become, it becomes your new normal. Yes. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, how could I not have done that? So the point I'm trying to make is that when you do this in the beginning, it is very scary, you know? And it's it's normal that it's scary because you've never 100%. done it before, right? But yeah. once you realize, and I'm, you know, we could do a whole other show on how to hire people. You're an expert at that. But it's like, when you get the right person in there and, and you know, you have your hiring process almost like a marketing funnel and you disqualify people who aren't a fit and you get the right person in the right seat, like that is like, in my opinion, from my experience, that's like 90% of it. And then you plug awesome. them into a system and then that's the 10% that gets you to a hundred. But yep. I see a lot of people making a mistake where they, they hire a warm body who can fog a mirror. And then they try to make them, they try to make an army reserve person, Navy SEAL. And I'm not knocking the army. I'm just saying like, they try to hire someone who's not that great. And they try to turn them into someone who's amazing. I found that I, I hire people who are really good and I put them into the system we have that's not perfect. And that is how they optimize for results for themselves and for the company. Are you a real estate investor who wants to get to the next level? Well, my name is Greg Hellback, and over the last five years, I have bought and sold well over 125 houses, and I have learned a ton of stuff, and I've made a lot of mistakes. And hopefully, as they say, a wise man learns from someone else's mistakes. So if you are a real estate investor and you want to learn how to get to the next level, you might be a good fit for my coaching program. So if you're interested in finding out if my coaching program could be a fit for you, head over to bookacallwithgreg.com. On that website, you're going to be able to simply book a call with me absolutely free for 15 minutes. And I'm basically going to see how I can best help you, right? I'm not going to high pressure sell you. It's going to be none of that whatsoever. It's going to be a very helpful call. We're going to have a 15 minute conversation. I'm going to ask you some questions about where you're at and where you want to get to. And if you think it's a fit to potentially work with me as a coaching client, I'd love to offer the opportunity to work with you. And if it's not a fit for some reason, no big deal. That 15-minute call is going to be super, super helpful. I'm going to give you some good pointers so I can help you, you know, get your business to the next level. There's two types of people I work with. The first person is the person who's brand new. They might not have ever done a deal before, and they really want to learn step-by-step step how they can get their first deal, right? That's the first person. The second person I work with is someone who might have done some deals. Maybe they have you know a deal every other month coming in, or they just have inconsistent income, and they really want to learn sales and marketing strategies so they can consistently get two, three, four, five deals a month in a formulaic way. So those are the two people I work with. If that sounds like you, I'd love to hop on the phone with you for 15 minutes, see if you're a good fit for our coaching program. Go to bookacallwithgreg.com and sign up for a free consultation today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's easy to take like a uh, five or six and take them to a nine. Yes. Then it is trying to take a one or two and take them to a five. That's oh, very because then you're a motivational coach and you're spending yeah. your whole day. It's like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And then it's like, if you're asking yourself that question for more than a month, you got to cut, you got to cut them out straight yeah, up. 100%. So that's, that, that's exactly right. And it, the thing is, is I think uh, you and I talked, uh, uh, that's, then we're going into just justifying. <laughs> so. I, you know, it's funny. Ever since you said that at your boot camp, I remember watching it. I was on the web, the web version. And you, that was like the one takeaway I got. It's like, don't justify. Like, I always say this to my team now and even to people in general. I'm like, you can justify anything. If you don't want to go to the gym today, you can, you know what? There's snow on the ground. I don't want to drive there. You can justify anything. Or you can justify why you need to go to the gym because you said you were going to do it, right? And I found that bad hires I've made in the past 
there was always an excuse for some reason why they couldn't do it. There was always a justification and an excuse. And I used to tolerate that crap. And now, you know, obviously nothing is perfect, but there's solutions getting brought to the table and not problems that seem like they're these mountains. You know what I mean? Like they bring these solutions now, you know? 100% man. Yeah. So let's talk about down markets, right? Where the way, the time we're recording this, it's uh, what is it? November of 2022. The sky isn't falling, but interest rates are certainly rising and the housing market. I mean, I remember I had a project out in Cali and the thing like sold way over ask. And I was like, something's going to change pretty soon because this, this doesn't make, these numbers don't make sense. A one bedroom condo selling for 370 in Bonita, California. I don't know about that. So we're in a little bit of a down market now, at least in, in the major areas where we operate, like it's, the prices were super high and now they're coming down a little bit. So what have you done, Jerry, over your, your 20 plus year career? How do you still make money in these down markets? So your production line can still be efficient, right? Cause we want to make sure we're starting with that production line. Yeah. So you know, I, I think a couple of things, Greg, on that is first of all, uh, one of, to me, one of the biggest things that I see on this is that people have that come into the market, especially in the last couple of years, yeah. not even so much just us as owners of the company, you know, uh, on things, but also your team members that come on board. Yeah. I, I just, I was just on a meeting this morning. This is exactly what's happening and stuff. I've got a team I'm working with and they've got almost 40 people on sales. Oh, wow. Okay? Big company. Now, here's the thing. They're all newer in the last couple of years. So what's happened on that, and you think about this, is this is exactly where we see a lot of people at is you got accustomed to new habits in the last couple of years on things. Yeah. So what it was, it was really the, not what I, what I call not a real market. It's really the fantasy market. Okay. <laughs> so, true. so what you do is you're doing a lot of hail Mary's. Oh, I'm going to see if this will work. <laughs> Boom. It sells. Right. And, and you get it sold. So what happens on that is it, as that shifts, which we're doing right now, is now it shifts from market-dependent side of things to real mm -hmm. skills. And that's where I see you really have to focus on right now is you've got to work on the skills side of things. You've got to focus on mastering that part of it because if you don't have the skills you're going to get eaten up when the market shifts like this. 100%. Then, you know, and, and it goes for dispo, acquisitions, all these side of things. You have to be more focused towards the client. You have to provide more white glove type service on these type of things. It's not the same as it was before. And so, you know, this on dispo side of things too, it's more about relationships. It's more not blasting everything. It's about getting on the phone, building those relationships, um, you know, nurturing those relationships. It, it's it's about communicating to them even when you don't have a property to sell. You know, it, it's all these things. You start building that up. That's the big difference on things. So yeah. it's, it's start understanding that no longer are we dependent on a marketplace you're dependent on skills. So that's one of the big- Man, That big is things. such a nugget there. And I'm so happy you answered the question that way because people were so spoiled the last two years. It's like, oh, put a wholesale deal. We used to have this, I mean, this still happens in our crazy market, but we would put out a wholesale deal and I had a system and I still actually sit in the dispo seat in my company. So I'm very familiar with this. We had a system 
if we put out a wholesale deal and it was a legit, like not like a tweener, I would call it, but that's a topic for another day. We <laughs> would sell this property, Jerry, for 30 to $40,000 more than we were asking on a wholesale deal. This is not on the MLS. And we were making 60, 70, $80,000 spreads. And I'm like, this is great right now. We're going to save a lot of this money, put it in the bank and buy some distressed assets. But this is not normal. This is not going to last forever. And I would tell my team that because like they would see and they'd be like, holy crap, like how did we do that? And I'm like, it's the market. I'm not a genius. No one here is a genius. It's the market. Watch 100%. this change. And sure as shit, it changed. Yep. And that's, so that's the big thing that I tell people is that, you, you know, you got to make that shift in the mindset where yeah. you thought you were a rock star. It was really the marketplace, but now you really got to work your skills. hundred percent. And you have to have a deal. That's yeah. another thing I've realized too. And, and this is relevant. I've seen that a lot of wholesalers now, whether they are a one man show or they have a, a business, right. They're like, Oh my God, my deals aren't moving. And I'm like, well, what are the numbers? Right. And, and, and we saw that a little bit and I was like, you know, we're getting a little concerned, but then I, we put out a wholesale deal in a bad market and it sold for 15 K over ass. Cause the numbers made sense, you know? So it's, you can't control the market. No, and then, but you can control where you enter and how you exit. And Big that, you know, and so that's really what it comes down to is, so it comes down if you sharpen, if you know your skills, you sharpen that, then it's just a matter of adjusting on that side of things. And you understand that. And another thing too, to think a lot about too, is realizing that um, sometimes we've got to be more creative now too. 100%. Okay? So we got to be more creative on sometimes the exit side of things. I mean, we just done a, it was a, last week, I was doing this with my mastermind group. And literally we were going over how to take deals that were basically a seller would want to sell we can control that deal at a higher price, but sell on owner financing and sell the note all within 60 days. Yeah. Yeah. That's a valid strategy, especially so, now. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, wow, never thought about that. And it's just about being more creative on that side of things. And it comes down to understanding how to write the notes. You know, instead of writing one note, we write two notes, one for a first, one for a second. So we can sell the first and get the cash out to the seller. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you got to have those tools in your toolbox. There's another thing I see you're doing. I see your Facebook posts a lot. You're doing novations, right? Which is yes. like the hot, yeah. sexy, hot, sexy chick at the bar. Now everyone wants to talk to her. <laughs> hey, I'm new here. I'm going to see what's going on. So how are you guys implementing these? By the way, if people aren't familiar with novations, like what, what is a novation if someone is not familiar with that? So, you know, basically what we're looking at here, here's an easy way to describe things, Greg, really when it comes to this is if you look at it, you know, we're, we're whole, as a wholesaler, you know, that we do a lot of deals this way, we're buying uh, down here. So we're buying down here, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're marking it up, selling it here. And then of course the fixed flippers want to take it, sell it up here, right? Yeah, sure. So that's common on things. But what we realized was on the, um, uh, there was a lot of leads coming in that went in a position where we couldn't make it work down here. Mm -hmm. But we could make it work right here. On Got things. it. But it wasn't a good wholesale deal. No one would buy it. A cash right. buyer wouldn't buy it. I don't right. know. But it wasn't at the, and then we thought, man, if we could sell top of the market, we have to rehab a little bit of it. What if we just sold a little bit below what the uh, market value is, what we call the as is value. 
and that's the as is value based upon the basically open market, like an owner occupant coming in. Yep. You think about those, right? You think somebody just for example, you got a property that's worth two hundred. Somebody comes along, they see it, and they say, you know, wow, I can get in there. Uh, uh, you know, hun, that one's uh, for two hundred. We can pick this thing up for one seventy five. All the rest of them are 200, 210. We can pick this up for 175. Now, if we were wholesaling it, we might be down around 100, a little bit under that, yeah. things, right? Yeah. On an ovation, we could possibly be at 130. And yeah. we can control that thing. Yeah. So, but the thing is, the nice thing about it, the novation allows us to, if you look at it, really, it's kind of cool because we can basically wholesale nice houses. Yes, that don't need a lot of work, that just yeah. are dated, maybe. Yeah, they're just dated a little bit. And the big difference on this is everybody said, well, what's the difference? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, a wholesale, a regular wholesale deal where we're doing an assignment, we're assigning our rights in a contract to somebody else. We're just They're taking over our existing contract. But in mm -hmm. an innovation, we're replacing parties, replacing a contract, and we're just changing that completely. So now... Instead of maybe just an A and a B, we got an A and a B and a C involved. And we're just all we're doing is a little extra paperwork. And basically what we're doing is now taking homes that we could never do before. And we're basically wholesaling in a real easy way format here is we're wholesaling nicer homes. Okay. 100%. To the, on the to leads the, you already got. On the leads you already have. And it it's so, you know, now. You still be got to conscious about the marketplace right now because you've still got to adjust things a little bit for the market itself. But at the same time, people will do that. We got another novation closing this week. You know, it's it's what it does is it allows you. I here's the way I look at it, Greg, is I look at it as a way to have extra ammo in your gun. Okay. Yeah. And you know how we do. We go in, we talk to a seller. A lot of a lot of investors are one shot seller or buyers. Okay, they're one shot. Oh, I only can do this. And the key is to understand is how to work programs. And that's that's the key when it comes to that. So we're always focused on programs. It's like, Greg, I'm so sorry, but unfortunately, your property doesn't qualify for our cash out program. But I do have another program if you're interested in hearing more about it. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about it. <laughs> so well, here's what I got. I got the equity protection program. This is exactly Bingo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's reframing the call, man. That's that's powerful. Well, the thing with novations that I've realized is that a lot of the times, and I learned a lot of this from Brewer, but it's mm -hmm. like if you have a house that is like worth 175, as in my market, it'd be like times 200 k But anyway, it, <laughs> just that's the way it is in New York. If you have a house that's worth X as is 200 grand, right? And you know on the market it would trade fast because you know what you're doing at 175. You can not only pay more than the other people if you're competing with people, but a lot of sellers in my market are not distressed, Jerry. They're not in a they're well, not, see, that's they're, the not thing. they're not an ostrich with their head in the sand. Like we get we get some of those, but they're not, you know, every day. So you deal with reasonable people and you generally, because they're reasonable, they don't need to get out of their house in 30 days. They're willing to wait 60 yeah. to 90 days, maybe 120 days. To get the number they want. So it's like, if you want your price, I need my terms. If you want your terms, I need my price. I was explaining this to somebody today. You know, it, it's just, how do I solve their problem with the right tool? Yeah. And it's a matter of, that's what I'm saying. It's, it really, you're just exchanging. It's like, you want a higher price. 
Okay, that's great. I can give you that in exchange. I just need access to the property, ability to have, you know, reasonable access, the ability to show it, you know, and market the property. And that's it. So that's it. Yeah. And a lot of people are down with that. And especially now I'm seeing, at least in our market, it's like, you know, sellers are a little bit more reasonable than they are now than they, yeah. than they were because of the, what's going on. We're and, starting to see that shift more. It, it, we, we remember too, that's our responsibility to educate them. A hundred percent. hundred percent it is. It's, and a lot of people too, I've realized is when you build relationships with them, you know, and you're actually having the right conversations, shameless plug for your REI sales Academy. It's <laughs> like, you know, the sellers want to do business with you. Like, and it's usually like, it's the price getting in the way, or maybe their relatives, whatever the deal killer is. But it's like, if they like you and they really want to work with you, and it's just a matter of, like you said, putting them in the right program. When you have that trust built, it's a lot easier to make a presentation oh, to solve their problem versus yeah. like having it be like a commodity. Like, what's your offer? Well, here's my offer. No. Okay. Why not? It's like, you want to kind of get away from that if you can. I mean, some sellers are like that. I will say like some people are just, can't really build rapport with them, but most of them you can. When they see you're there to help them solve their problem, I've found that I've not found it be a, like I've seen sellers be very open to terms and 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 like even to another thing that we do that people are like surprised by. It's like if we have a let's say we can't innovate it because the condition is just too bad or something like that, we'll tell the seller we're not the buyer for this because you want too much money. But if you want to try to get that price, we would need a contract with a contingency in order to like let us wholesale it. Basically, we just tell the seller what we're doing. I have found nine out of 10 sellers are down for that. Yeah. Yeah. You told them what you're going to do in advance. So then if you can't sell it for some reason, they know that's their risk yeah. versus yeah. like a lot of wholesalers just like, okay, cool, let's sign it up. And then they call them 10 days later. Hey, sorry, I didn't have a buyer. It's like, you just, I don't know. I found being transparent in this business is like so much right. easier. You know, it's so funny. I think back in the, and this was, I was doing this in the nineties and I didn't even know what things I was doing <laughs> really. And, but I remember back then and I would go out and work with sellers, meet with them. And they say, Oh, I just can't do that. And I said, well, you know, I do have another program. And even back then I was doing this I started doing that. I said, it's called my option to purchase program. Uh, you know, I can't guarantee you that I, I can help you on this, but I'll do everything I can and take it to my database of funders. So I'll, and I'll push this for you. So I would write up an option to purchase yep. the home. I would give them $1 <laughs> for the option, no shit. And I would control their home for 90 days. And then I would turn around and market it. And I just let them know that. So it, it's pretty well the same thing on that yep. side of things, but that's what I would do. And that actually came up pretty, I, and here's the cool thing. I, I done this, I, I actually done this on a church <laughs> and crazy. I sold the church this way. Uh, I've done it on grocery stores, all That's kinds crazy. of stuff. That's the beauty about real estate, why it is still a sexy thing. It's like, you can do these deals on any sort of asset class. It doesn't matter what, you know, what it is. Right. And, and yeah. I just found that you know, with investors, the more transparent you and your sales team can be with the sellers, the more they're going to trust you. And they're just going to be so much more flexible with maybe issues that come down the line. Like I'll give you a good example. There's a house, barely any involvement on my end, but according to Brett, he was stuck on a number. This is in Connecticut in like actually a lower end part of Connecticut, stuck on a number. And I told Brett, I said, listen, if he's stuck on that number, we need a 10-day inspection period with the ability to wholesale it. And the guy said, that's absolutely fine. We got it under contract. 
and got the property sold for a pretty good spread. Like I think it's like a 17K spread. But the seller knew in advance that because he was being a little pesky with his price, he was going to have the uncertainty of not knowing if this was going to go down. This ended up working out, right? But like, if we were to, like, the point I'm trying to say is like, just be upfront with people. Like there's, yeah, the, the, the sellers know you're making money. Like they're not idiots. Like they're, they, they know what's going on. If you just tell them what you're doing, they're going to be so much more open to working with you and getting you access and getting you info. Like it's just so much, uh, so much easier way to run a company, right? Instead of just yeah. hiding the fact that you're making a profit. Like we tell the sellers, Hey, we're making a profit on your property. It's got to work for you, but it's got to work for us. And like, the sellers appreciate that because some other yeah. investors are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to offer you top dollar. It's like, no, you're not, <laughs> you know? 100%, Greg. And, you know, what's funny too right now, I'm seeing another big thing I think it's important in the shifting market is, you know, we talk about a lot, you know, in the sales training, as you know, like price anchors and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, it's huge. But another thing to think about now too, is I'm, I'm hitting a lot of my students on this and my own team as market anchors. Okay. Yeah. And especially now is start using market anchors. So it might be something long, Greg, of like, hey, Greg, you know, um, I'm sure you're aware of obviously, you know, the gas prices and uh, the uh, inflation's going on and, you know, the how the Fed's doing the uh, the rate hikes on interest <laughs> rates. You're aware of all that, aren't you, Greg? And, he, and most of the time, Greg, oh, yes, yes, yes. So I'm market anchoring too, okay? And 100%. So, yeah. So yeah, that's not a little thing you can add in, you know, some of your listeners might take that and you start applying that as well as some of the other tactics we talk about. It just allows you to, one, they trust you more. You become the expert on that side of things and you're setting the groundwork. Yeah. And it just sets the, sets the groundwork for a good sales call to, to solve a problem. I think a lot of people, they they feel like they need to know all these tips and tra tactics and they're very helpful. But if you start any sales call, and I've said this to people, I can't even count how many times. If you go in there with a problem solver hat and you have the sales tactics and strategies, you're going to be dynamite. But if you have the best strategies in the world, but you don't have a problem solver hat on, it's yeah. going to be tough for you to follow the sales process because you're starting with the wrong foundation versus starting with the right foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, you know, we always talk about this. It's, uh, you're trying to work on the logical brain when people are making decisions with the emotional brain. hundred percent, hundred percent. Jerry, man, you're a wealth of knowledge. So, you know, as we're coming close to our hour here, you recently did an acquisition of a very popular trading company that you now own. So congrats on that. Thank you. So man. tell us a little bit about, you know, what you did, what that company is and how you're changing the game in the real estate industry. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, it's uh, everybody. I think a lot of a lot of listeners should know this. Uh, things, if you don't, I mean, Greg's very familiar with it too. I knew I had insider uh, access before it even. Yes, <laughs> I knew what was happening. It's uh, REI Sales Academy uh, that was created by John Martinez, and I uh, purchased the company from him this year. Uh, something we started working on last year, but we acquired the company this year. Um, John, uh, uh, as Greg knows, has really created the gold standard when it comes to uh, sales training for, uh, you know, anybody in the real estate investment space. It's just, you know, it's kind of everything, even a lot of trainings that have come off uh, uh, that have been created have been spun off of John's yep. one way or another. And he really created a, a gold standard when it comes to this. And what we're, we're, you know, I was already doing trainings anyways in that space. And I just, you know, and John and I talked, we thought it was a great fit. So we acquired the company and our goal is just to continue to expand that company through one, uh, working with the current students, not 
change anything on that. Uh, all we're going to do is add value to that. So really what we're looking at now is I think Greg is looking at uh, Sales Academy 2.0. Yeah. And so we're going to add, because obviously John had the tremendous sales knowledge experience, but he didn't have the 20 some years in the field of doing deals experience. And that's what we're bringing to the Academy now. It's a match made in heaven, man. You take John's sales system, you marry it with your real estate knowledge and business knowledge. It's 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 like a recipe for success, man. So congrats on that. Well, thank you. REISalesacademy.com is the domain. Yep. REISalesacademy.com. Just check that out and uh, be glad to um, work with anybody that's uh, needing help there. And we, uh, we have an academy, uh, online academy, plus we do live trainings every week. So are they still Wednesdays at 10 Central? Uh, yes. Yep. Sure. Or not. Is it 10 central? Yeah. 10 central. Yeah, 10 central. Yep. 10 central. Yeah. And then Jerry, you also have some other trainings that you put out. I've been through that. Some of them, they're fantastic. You have well, training and you, you got a yeah. lot of stuff going on, man. You really know your stuff, man. You're very respected in this business. Well, the other side is uh, what we do is we call our systems operations training. It's a two day event that we do. We actually do it right in our office. And the reason we do it in our office is we would learn that most investors don't really understand how we run this as a company like we started off here today with and they don't understand all the moving parts they don't understand the different departments doesn't mean you have to have a huge team but you still need to understand the functions of the production line mm -hmm. and what they do is they, so by doing that two-day event people can come in experience that get a chance to work with the the team get a chance to see all our moving parts then on day two what we do is divide up into basically little groups and uh, we just take individuals and we basically rip apart the company and help them lay out a new game plan, which you're familiar with. You were involved in one too. Yeah. So, now I got two great employees. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know? So, so it's, yeah. it's um, we keep those small. We do them in our office. In fact, um, we do have one coming up next week, but uh, that the time you get this out there, that'll be past that. <laughs> but the next one coming up is January 19th, and 20th on things so hopefully uh, uh you know some of your viewers can see this on time what do you do them every 60 days usually yeah about every 60 days, 60 days. Uh, yep january 19th 20th and all you got to do is um you know one you can hit me up on social media um just follow me you know jerry green there on that um you can go to my uh, instagram um which is the the jerry green or go right to my website too it's the, uh, the jerrygreen.com pretty simple on that side you'll see the events coming up and uh love to you know be able to help you guys on that um as you know i think the results speak for themselves on that so i don't know too hard yeah i mean jerry knows his stuff he's he's so well versed in this and the big thing that i like about jerry is that number one he's a great guy and number two he knows the business and he's doing the business. He's a guru, yeah. not a guru, as they would say. He's doing the business. <laughs> he's got a real business and they're doing real they're they're doing real deals. So I mean, he's got in the trenches knowledge and he's got a great team who I know pretty well. And he's got a well-oiled machine. So I highly encourage you if you whether it's sales training, the ops training, or both thejerrygreen.com, REI salesacademy.com, which I'm very familiar with. And um, listen, Jerry, it's always a pleasure talking with you. We'll make sure we have both of those links up in the show notes when Anna gets a hold of this. And uh, man, it's always a pleasure doing these pods with you, man. A lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Same way. And uh, always appreciate you, man. Okay. See ya. All right. See you, buddy. 
Hey, what's going on? This is Greg Hellbeck here. And if you're listening to this, odds are you are a real estate investor. And a big question that I always get asked is, Greg, how do you get your deals? So I have the answer to that question. The main way that I get deals, and it's been this way for years, is through direct mail marketing. Now, direct mail marketing is certainly not easy, but if you have direct mail dialed in the right way, it is profitable month after month after month after month. So I'm actually going to give you a free guide, which is my top five direct mail mistakes. So if you want to check out my guide absolutely for free, go to directmailclass.com, put in your name and email, and you will get my guide, which is my top five fatal direct mail mistakes. If you just use that guide alone, it will make you a much better direct mail marketer. So if you want to learn how to optimize and become very successful finding deals through direct mail marketing for your real estate investment company, go to directmailclass.com and get my free guide. Thank you for listening to an episode of the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I hope you got a lot of value from this specific episode. And there are a few takeaways that you're able to gather from this to implement in your business so you can be a more successful real estate investor. So if you did get value from the show, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. That's how we keep growing the show and getting great guests is because people see the reviews. They see that we have a high quality show and they want to contribute as a guest. So that would be great. Also, if you got value, if you could share the show on social media, that would be great because that is how people see this besides the reviews. So once again, if you did get value, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes and share the show on social media, it would really mean a lot to me and I'll see you on the next episode.